Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, Bill Stevenson from the legendary Black Flag, my favorite iteration of Black Flag, that is, The Descendants, also All, which The Descendants became, Only Crime, The Lemonheads, The Nig Heist, The Man is an Absolute Legend, help me in welcoming Bill Stevenson. We have some other history, right? We did something else before together. I have interviewed you once very, very long ago. Uh, I think it was 12 years ago now. Are you, are, oh, wait, where do you live right now? Uh, right now I'm in Calgary, Canada. Oh, okay. How is uh, Canada for like COVID type stuff? It's a little bit more handled than the United States right now. But it is definitely spiking. It's it's good because we're getting government, um, like, essentially payouts monthly. So everybody that's unemployed, it's a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah, I mean, we can't really do anything right uh, nowadays. I'm, I'm actually surprised we had the good sense to vote out that president and we had... We don't because we had to say we haven't been doing anything right for years and years. Well, how how do you think that the United States is handling the newest spike? Do you think that th- that with Biden coming in, it's going to get a handle on it quicker? Hmm. You know, I don't know enough about him or about you know the all, the science of it all. I, I mean, I know that just. Uh, like a homeless person on the street corner would be a better president than Donald Trump. You know, so, so that, that as a, just a general statement, but as far as specifically the mathematics behind how quickly Biden can get in and do anything, I really don't know. It seems like, <laughs> seems like we should have done what we were going to do like a year ago. Would you say that you're continuing to stay active during this time? And how easy it, has it been for you to be artistic during this time? Yeah, this is a... My answer to this one is probably different than most people. Um, basically, the, my, my COVID life is almost identical to my normal life. Um, the only big difference is that I don't have any concerts to play. I don't have any shows to play, but other than that, I, I, you know, I just don't, I don't socialize much. I'm not an antisocial person. I'm not some kind of a grumpy Scrooge guy, but I'm just, I, I spend a lot of time by myself. I keep to myself a lot of the time and I don't, I don't get much enjoyment going to restaurants or going to bars. Like I, I generally prefer to be in charge of my own culinary destiny whenever possible. And so uh, the only really thing I changed about my life is I'm, I, I went from exercising in a, in a gym just down the street from me to now I just do it in my basement and I'm, I'm exercising more now more that it's just right in my basement. And I don't care about bars or restaurants. Like this is, doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. And I don't care about putting on a mask to go to the grocery store. It's fine. I don't care. So, 
So it's not, it hasn't been hard on me. Plus the other thing is my family and I, we have a, we have a, a very large house, um, uh, you know, living in Fort Collins here, you're one is able to afford more than you could. Like if I had this house, there's no way I could have afforded this when I lived in LA, you know, Hermosa beach, but here in Fort Collins, I, I have a nice big, huge house with, Set, you know, many, many rooms in it. I have my own little studio in the basement. I have an area in the basement to exercise and to hang out. It's, you know, it's three floors. And so we can all be here together and not be, not feel, you know, cabin fever, not feel claustrophobic because there's plenty of, plenty of space you can go to get away from the other people. So I pity those who, you know, let's say a family of four living in a small apartment and in a big city where you just can't, you know, you just have to, you're afraid every time you get in the elevator and all that. I, I really feel, I feel for those people. And I also feel very fortunate that I'm able to just, I'm just able to kind of just keep having my life more or less how it always is. Now I'm curious, what would you like to see change in the music industry because of this? Do you feel like it was getting a little bloated to begin with? And maybe this is going to be a good thing in the long run? Hmm. Uh, no one's asked me that question yet. That is, that's interesting to contemplate. I'm going to ask you. So when you say bloated, what aspects of it do you, do you think I might think have become bloated? I would bloated? say things like um, just the big deals and getting bands at specific venues, um, the, the promoter mentality. Uh, it's, it's, it's essentially be- big deals, big deals. Do you mean record deals or what well, big kind of big deals, deals? I'm meaning more for like the live shows. It seems to be harder and harder. Oh, so you mean, you mean things like big festivals and big shows with tons of people. You're saying that, that, um, that is something that is maybe due for a welcome change. Is that, is that what you're kind of getting at? I think that's due for a welcome change. And I also feel like promoters don't give a chance to, let's say, an older band, All, for instance, would be a band I think should be playing certain kinds of venues and being promoted a certain kind of way, yet it's just not. And there's a big focus on these bigger artists and these deals that they can get get through and, and how many tickets and everything it seems like everything is working over one big monopoly right now i i I'd, I'd actually like to see that change and like to see that blown up uh do you feel this do you feel the same way well i, I mean i i think we well i mean i think we agree that the music business is it's in the hands of the few uh, we agree on that but i'm not sure i'm having i'm not sure how you're connecting covid to this like, what does COVID have to do with the fact that, you know, every concert is owned by Live Nation or, you know, all the radio stations are owned by the same five people with suits? How, how does COVID disrupt that in, in, in any way? That's what I'm having trouble uh, ascertaining. Well, I would think because of all the venues shutting down um, and promoters are kind of getting pushed to the side for smaller promoters who are now getting their chance. And are, and are booking the littler bands and trying to promote this right now, trying to keep the live music hope alive, essentially, 
do you think that they're going to come out? Ah, okay. See, I'm, I have my head, I think I have my head in the sand so far that I didn't, I didn't even know what you just said was happening. I didn't even know that was happening. I just thought there aren't any shows. Cause I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be caught dead going into a show right now. I don't care big, small. I mean, if it's a small venue and you've got it full of a hundred people, well, that's COVID. And if it's a big venue and you've got it full of 5,000 people, that's still COVID. It's not, it doesn't solve the problem to have a smaller venue if you've got people crammed in their asses to elbows. Um, but I would, I mean, I would like to see the thing about America that is kind of annoying with the music business is it's like, okay, you're either, you're either Michael Jackson or you're like a piece of gum on the bottom of someone's shoe, like smaller artists that can draw, you know, a hundred people or whatever that there, there's no respect afforded them in America. And the American government doesn't really support the music arts much, or they don't, what they do support music arts is maybe what orchestral stuff or whatever, but they don't, they don't view the kind of stuff you or I might go see in some seedy club. They don't view that as art, you know, boy, as you and I do. A lot of shows now are happening through drive-ins. So essentially people are just watching in their cars and you have promoters essentially flying off the seat of their pants right now, young guys, up and coming guys, and they're trying to make the most out of nothing. Do you you think that that there's going to be a rise up of of this kind of mentality and the big bloated like conglomerate is going to go away because of everything shutting down and because everything was so like getting getting a little bit too big before this hit hard to say I, I, a wiser man than i would have to expound upon all this because i i honestly i can't really speak to it because it just it usually usually with any business that generates a lot of revenue the rich people get in and get control of it that's just what they do it, greed is we just we humans we cannot get over our greed and i i don't know I don't know if that's going to change in this next several years with respect to what people are getting away with, with concerts. I don't really know. Well, I want to take you way back now. What was the initial inspirations to step behind the kit? Or were you more of the guitar guy before you even stepped behind a drum kit? Oh, let's see. Well, initially it was just my nervous fidgeting, tapping, like say tapping on my notebook with my pencils. And then that turned into my dad buying me just a snare drum. And then that, not long after, that turned into my dad buying me a drum set. And then just hardly, hardly, not even a few months after I got my drum set, you know, we started the band, the Descendants. And, um, and then once the ascendants were rolling, I, I, uh, my mom gave me an acoustic guitar that had belonged to my grandpa, and I started playing, learning guitar. And then just right in that same couple of month period when it all just happened, I happened to be taking my garbage out to the curb because it was trash day, and I noticed there was an instrument sticking out of my neighbor's trash can, and I pulled it out of that. Of the, his trash can and brought it inside and it was like a hollow body bass so i had an acoustic guitar and a hollow body bass and my drum set and yeah i would play them all pretty equivalently i've always 
done that. I've always played all three instruments pretty equivalently. Uh, and, and in fact, there have been periods of time for me, like I would say in the mid eighties, all the way through to the, to the mid nineties, where I was playing guitar more hours per day than drums. I used to, there was a point where I was really playing a lot of guitar. Um, and I'm in, I'm in that area right now. I've been playing more guitar this year than drums. Um, and, uh, and, and not, and not as much bass, but you know, I used to write, I used to write a lot of my songs on bass. Like our, the first song on our first album, My Edge, I wrote that on bass. And Bikeage to the, you know, that one, and all that stuff. So I used to write, I, I, wrote, I write on everything. Um, uh, all the guys do. Carl plays, Carl, our bass player, he plays guitar and he can play drums if, you know, if need be. Stefan's a great, great drummer and he plays guitar and bass. And Milo, Milo plays guitar and bass. He could play drums if he has to. So we, yeah, I, I just think it's all just fun. It's all just communication through, through sound, you know, drums. You get to bang on things. I mean, I think people love to fidget and tap around on stuff. It's, it's, it's just in our nature to try to communicate that way. And one instrument is as good as the other to me. I have a saxophone and a banjo, but I never got good at banjo, and I never even got okay at saxophone. I can't even get a good tone out of it. Like my embouchure is horrible. Um, but but uh, I don't know. Maybe someday I'll, I'll get more serious about the saxophone. I when I bought the saxophone, I thought, okay, I'm going to be Charlie Parker, you know. But of course, you can't be Charlie Parker because he's like a miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what would you say that you learned the most from your like all the years now of playing percussion? <laughs> oh, 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 interesting. These are some good questions. They're making me think about what the hell I'm up to, what I'm doing, how I got there, how where I'm going. I guess. Um, yeah. At first, it was first with drums. It was well. It's funny. In the when I first started playing tapping and with the snare, it was more circular rhythm. It was more like I would imitate the marching band at the football game. I'd say at high school, and they'd be like dum da da dum da 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 dum da da dum 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 da da dum dum dum. This kind of thing, like circular rhythms, rhythms that you can hum. But then when you get a drum set and you're in a band and then you're in the drum of the band and then the guy says, oh, just keep a beat. You know, so then you're like Pat Boone, Debbie Boone, Pat Boone, Debbie Boone, you know, kick, snare, kick, kick, snare, kick. But I, I wasn't, me just, keep, me just keeping a beat, I wasn't made for that, you know, and so I quickly started playing things that were more, more circular, more phrases things phrases that had something to do with the song or the vocals of the song or something uh and then that's kind of where i've been i'm not i'm not much of a timekeeper you know people say well the drummer's job is to keep time and i think well everybody in the band's job is to keep time and not not you know mitch mitchell he didn't just keep time you know in the Jimi hendrix experience or keith moon or bill ward from black sabbath or elvin jones they didn't just keep time they were doing so much more than that and 
that's kind of how I, I, I just think that to limit the drums to like, okay, keep time. That's just, that's just boring to me. So that's probably, that's probably the general thing that I kind of took away from it all. When you joined Black Flag, which I think that is one of the best lineups of Black Flag, when you were involved, amazing. The rhythm section between you and Kira was just nailing it as far as I'm concerned with that band. Were you a fan of the band before, and what kinds of things did you want to bring to Black Flag? Yeah, my answer to this one, it always surprises people and, and everything. Uh, I only like Black Flag with Robo in it. I only like the first albums, you know, the first three mm-hmm. singles, and then, you know, the Damaged album and the Everything Went Black album and the first four years, you know, I, that's what I like. I mean, I loved playing in the band. I loved it, and I love all the guys. You know, they're all my family. They're all my brothers. I get, get them all on the phone right now, and we'd have a hell of a party. But I, I, my, the Black Flag that I fell in love with when I was a kid, it did not have me in it. Greg, Chuck, and Robo, and whoever else was you know, if it was Ron or Des or Keith or Henry, that's what I loved was that. And I, and I think once I joined the band, I mean, there are certain things that we did in, in the band that I am very, very proud of. Uh, I love the way the song My War came out. I love the way the song Swingin' Man came out. And uh, I, I like uh, the song Nothing Left Inside. And uh, I, I, I like... There's some things I did in the band that I, I'm proud of, but mostly, like, if I'm going to put on some black flag, it's going to be with Chuck, Greg, and Robo. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. no way around. Or Brian. You know, Brian played on the Panic single, which became Black Flag, you know, the Nervous Breakdown single. That's Brian Migdahl. Um, but Robo was kind of my hero, and um, that's what I'm going to listen to if I put on black. I'm going to put on Police Story. You know, I'm not going to put on Slip It In. Well, was it exciting for you to play these songs again when when Keith got the band back together? Well, well, I'm not sure what you mean. For what what year are you talking about, or what era? Well, just for the decade, just for the newest uh, flag shows. Oh, with flag! Oh, I really liked it. I loved it, and I'll tell you why. The main the main reason it was so much fun to me. Well, one is because we're all older and we're not fighting over little petty things the way we sometimes did when we were younger. But the best thing was that um, we could, I could play the songs like the real, the real way how they go. Because when I joined Black Flag, Greg, he, he kind of like, he kind of kept saying he would say, Bill, you know, you know that weird thing that Robo always does. And I'm go, yeah, you mean you mean the robo, the robo, the way he plays. He has those sets of three hi-hats like a cumbia, a cumbia rhythm. Because he's from Colombia and that cumbia comes naturally to him. And he, Greg's like, don't, don't do that weird thing that robo did. You know, just keep a straight rock beat. And so in Black Flag, I didn't really do the robo much because Greg kind of didn't want it. You know, and I was just a little kid. I was just happy to be there. But with Flag, you know, Greg's not in Flag, so so that we while we're playing the songs like the real way that they really go for real. Great fun, and we're just we're just all such good friends now. I mean, 
Chuck's, you know, he's become one of my best friends the older I get. And Dezo, I've always loved Dezo since I was a little kid. Keith, you know, I've known Keith since I was eight years old. Um, um, every, everybody, I, lo- I love all the guys. Boy, we played that last show we played a couple of years ago. That was so much fun at Punk Rock Bowling. Oh, man, it was like I, we got done. I remember I was walking off, and Keith came up to me, and he was crying. You know, and I, like I said, I've known Keith since I was eight years old. He was crying. He goes, Billy, that was so much fucking fun. And I was like, yeah, it was, wasn't it? You know? Was it exciting for you to finally get to essentially be in a band with Keith Morris because you had known each other for so long and you even worked for his dad? Well, I mean, Keith and I are just, yeah, like he's, Keith's my oldest friend. So whether I'm being in a band with him or just hanging out with him, it's just fun always. Yeah, it's just fun. It's just fun. Well, okay. Would you say that all was a little bit like the experience that you had in Flag? in terms of just having fun and getting to let loose? Uh, all to chance to let loose. I don't, I, do you mean like, are you comparing it to descendants? Like to let loose from descendants or I'm not sure. What well, you mean. even just to like what you couldn't do with the descendants, you were allowed to but do I mean, it all. It's the same. It's the same van. We do anything we want. Well, and that's the thing, and that's what I am curious about. Did you just always, the mentality was always do whatever you guys want? Or Yeah, it always was. I mean, you could, you, could, you could listen to, like, the Descendants All album, the Blue Record, and, and you, could, you could say, oh, in my van, oh, well, that, that must be an all song. But it's not, you know, it's not like that. It's just we just do whatever we want. Or, you know, maybe the world's on heroin. It comes off sounding like, oh, that, that should have been, it could have been a descendant song or something. But it, we just don't think about it that way. It's just all kind of one big thing, one big family. But when you've been together 41 years, I mean, you do go through changes and phases, but there's no thing of like, well, we changed the name of the band, the band's name to all, so now we get to do what we ever want. No, we've all, we always done whatever we want. Well, okay, I'm I'm really curious about this then. Would you say that there is a particular sound that you've always tried to to try and get that you've never been able to establish? Is there something that's still stuck in your head that you've yet to be able to get it out there? No, we do it. We do whatever we want. I mean, we we put an album out with just us farting on it. I mean, we <laughs> we do, we do anything we want. It, you know, we don't we don't think about what we're supposed to sound like or what people expect from us or whatever we, we've never thought about that i mean we we had songs about a, just driving through and getting our chili dogs it's like it's always just been us doing whatever we want just to amuse ourselves that's what the band's always been would you say that the california spirit is still running through your bones and your veins or did you ever really think about that did, did the area that you grew up in actually play a role in your artistic abilities yeah another really nice question i'm glad you took some time to think some of this through you know i'm 57 years old i do so many interviews where the the journalist or the interviewer the host whatever whatever the right term may be they just they didn't really do their homework at all and it's got like god man you're just wasting you're wasting your time and my time and anyone that's going to listen to this you're wasting their time too 
so it's cool that you you know that you put some thought into it. I guess I really I've grown to appreciate that. Any anybody okay. anybody that's on my show, I I personally respect. So I, I you're going to get the utmost respect from me because I truly respect every each and every single person that comes on my show. I I reach out to them for a reason. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, it's it's just so much more fun to do something that's got some I don't know, just some engagement to it, some something compelling in some way. Yeah, so this is a great question. When I was growing up in Hermosa Beach, I didn't give it any thought because that's where I grew up. I had nothing to compare it to. So it's only been as I've traveled a lot and also now that I've been living in Colorado for 25 years, now I really do, I really very much appreciate the the beach, the beach culture where I grew up at the beach. I was just, you know, three minutes from the beach and I spent all of my life on the water, either swimming or boating, fishing, surfing. Uh, uh, I was probably the world's worst surfer, but I enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, so that I, I do miss that stuff. And, and I realize now how much of that is kind of just in our music. Cause it just kind of where, how we grew up, Right, you know, writing songs about going fishing and all that—that that seems normal to us because that's what our day was like. Our day was was that way, and and uh, I don't miss LA really per se. I don't miss it, but I do miss the beach and I miss the 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 just beautiful weather. You know, ninety five percent of the time I miss that. But other than that, other than those things, I kind of prefer Fort Collins here where I am. Well, and now opening the blasting room, would you say that you're really trying to get a Colorado sound out of that? Or are you really just trying to find anything and everything to come out of that, that record studio? I wouldn't know what a Colorado sound is. I, would, I wouldn't know what that is. That's the thing. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, it sounds kind of like I'm being a a traitor in a way, but I don't claim Colorado as like my, you know, where are you from? Where, where am I from? I say Hermosa Beach, <laughs> even though I've lived here 25 years, I don't claim it as I don't have, I, I, it's weird. I don't have California pride, but I don't have Colorado pride either. I liked my little town I grew up in. I liked Hermosa Beach, but I don't, other than that, I don't really, I don't think about Colorado or California. I mean, 90, 95% of what we do here isn't born here. You know, we produce bands that they come here because the studio's here. And, you know, and then I, I go on tour and um, uh, tour all over. And, you know, so very little of, very little of my sort of day or livelihood is dependent upon the fact that I live in Colorado. But then, the, you know, the upside to that would be that um, I get to go backpacking here up in the mountains. You know, so there, there definitely are some cool things about being here. There's great, great fly fishing on the river for trout. And if you like skiing, I don't, I, I've never really taken to skiing. I don't like it so much. I guess I don't like being that cold. I don't like being so cold. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
Well, you were on the precipice of the new style of punk emerging in the late 70s and early 80s. But was it easy for you being in California to find the kinds of art that you were looking for? Or would you say that you were essentially having to create the uh, the music that you wanted to hear at that time? Or were there other bands that you were really trying to get into at that time? Oh, man. So just to be there, to be there in the L.A. area in the late 70s was... Um, fantastic we could we could just get in the car frank's one of frank's big brothers would drive us or tony tony would drive us tony was a little older than us we could go up to hollywood and we could see i mean in one show like one show you could see the bags the weirdos the go-go's and the germs like all at once in one show for five bucks i mean it was just there's no no way to describe it x fear Screamers, uh, uh, Rhino 39, the Flyboys, the Alley Cats, the Last. It was just the Flesh Eaters. I mean, it was unbelievable just to be, to be, and it was cool. You know, the Go-Go's, they were a punk band back then. I mean, they sounded, they were great. You know, they weren't, they weren't a pop band. They were a great punk band, the Go-Go's were. And, uh, oh man, the Plugs. And ah, I just can't even think of it all. It was so cool. Do you care, honestly, that bands like, let's say, Black Flag or, or even, even Descendants, why are bands like this not recognized more and not being talked about more in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame conversations? Or do you think that you don't really give a shit and it's a good thing that they're not being talked about because it keeps them special to those who do give a shit about them. I, I, I mean, I've never even thought about it. It's not, it's, it's of no, that's it, it, not interesting. Uh, you know, why would you think, why would somebody care what some what museum or whatever, <laughs> who cares? Well, it's more just the, the recognition. I, I just, to me, and it, this has nothing to do with. I, but I didn't start. I didn't start. We didn't start the band to to like be recognized, to be rich, to be famous, to be cool. We th- those were never our lists of. Those were never on our list of reasons to start it. We started it. The, the reason you started is because of what I said. The fidgeting on the notebook with the pencil. That's why you start your band. You don't start it to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That. Uh, that's for like Van Halen and stuff. That's not for me. <laughs> well, do you get the same sort of joy when you're playing with a band like Only Crime? Oh, man. Where you just get oh, to man. go Only and crime. just do Only the fucking crazy best. tapping? Only Crime <laughs> is the best. That's the hardest. That's the most difficult drumming for me. Oh, man. Yeah, I love playing. I love playing an Only Crime show. For just me, as me versus me, challenging on a drum set, that's the best. Oh, brutal. I remember when I first heard who the band was going to consist of, and I was just like, this is going to fucking melt some faces. It, and it did. I remember seeing you guys live. It like, oh, there was, there's something about that band. We need more of it. And I, and I hope that there's going to be more of it coming up because 
That is yeah, that, and that that band had a little little bit of the spirit of that that real early Black Flag that I was talking about. Because in in Only Crime, I do do the robo on, on a lot of songs. On a lot of songs, those sets of three hi hats, that cumbia, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Only Crime, and those guys are I'm so tight with all of them. We're all very very best best friends in that band. You know, I think. I think and when I look back on all of this, I think the thing I'm going to be the most proud of is not, I don't care about recognition or that stuff. I don't care about that. But I think what I'm going to be most proud of is the fact that the camaraderie and the friendships that I made along the way and the fact that, that I right now, right now, I could get anybody on the phone that I have ever been in any band with. I could get them on the phone right now and have a conversation with them as if we were, that we were just hanging out the day before. And I think that's probably what I'm the most proud of those bonds, those friendships, the camaraderie, the fellowship. Well, now being a producer, do you feel like it helped that you were in bands for so many years to go into the studio and, and produce records? Or do you think that it was kind of a hindrance because now you're, attuned to a certain kind of a, a tone or a certain kind of an idea when a band comes in to your record studio? You know, they really help each other. My experience as a band guy, it not only helps me do the job of engineering and producing a band's album, but it also helps with the psychology of it because the band knows without a doubt that I'm one of them, that I spent my whole life traveling in vans, sleeping on people's floors, and that I also know how to be thrifty with their money so they don't waste their money trying to get a record done. You know, I I had to ask my dad to help us pay for the Milo Goes to College, you know, or our first albums. You know, I had to ask my dad to pay. So, I, I mean, I remember... I remember what it was like to go into the studio for the first time and to be nervous about, well, what if it doesn't turn out well? And what if we run out of time? So I think the bands know, they know that they can trust me with that decision. And also having been in a touring band so long and having been a, a primary songwriter in several of the bands, they know, you know, they know that I, that I, they know that I know what I'm doing and they, they know that I'm going to, that I'm going to want to help. So it's, it's, but then, but then conversely, every time I produce a record, I learn something from the band. I learn when I see drummers play, I usually learn because I see what they're doing that I don't like. And I think, Oh, I see he's doing that. He's doing that thing. And I don't like it. And it doesn't sound good and it doesn't record well okay, well, I'm going to have to quit doing that when I play drums. So it's like I get my own, I get my own kind of musical course by producing these bands. I get to study people's singing patterns and how, they, how their mouths are shaped when they're singing certain sounds and, you know, just to really dissect phrasing and everything. It helps me when I go back in to be in my band, I've got all this, all this gained information that, that I picked up along the way while I was producing when you were building the blasting room, was there a certain thing that you wanted to eliminate that you have noticed in a lot of the recording studios that you were in in the past? 
Was there a certain structure to how you wanted the walls to sit or anything to be set a certain way in a tracking room? Was there just something that you wanted to fix from what you had learned in the recording studios in the past? Uh, I think we were still pretty naive when we built the studio and we built it, we built it really just for us to use just for the band. But then it, it just immediately took on a life of its own. When, when other bands found out that we were building our own studio, they started calling to come record there. And so it just, it took on a life of its own. And, um, you know, we, but we built the first studio. It was pretty, really pretty primitive and crude with not a lot of refined, refined taste or refined aesthetic going into it more more like hey let's let's build our own place to record instead of having to pay for a studio but then along the way you know now here we are we have four studios now not just one and yeah we've learned a lot along the way about what we like and don't like and how to how to how to arrange things and stuff but the thing about all that crap the microphones the preamps all the expensive vintage tube gear and the outboard the effects the reverbs and all that the thing about all that stuff is None of it matters except the only if the only thing that matters is that you have a good song that's heartfelt and that means something to someone. That's the only thing that matters. The other stuff is only just embellishment, icing. What would you say that your most exciting part of mixing an album is? Anything from producing to mixing, engineering, just anything. What would you say the most exciting thing for you is essentially about running the blasting room? It's still a song. You know, when you get that one song that makes a hair on your arms stand up, that's, that's, that's still that's the same thing you want when you're producing a record, the same thing you want when you're in your little practice room or garage with your guys. You want to get that, those goosebumps on your neck or you know, hair standing up on your arm. That's, 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 what you, that's what you do it for, for that. Well, and you've had some soundtracks come through there, have you ever thought about doing scores for film yourself? No, I'm not. I'm not talented enough. I disagree with that. No, no, no. I mean, really. Okay, I, I, I had to produce. A, I had to produce a band recording the song "Making Christmas," written by Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you right now, that guy's on a whole other level. That you know what I'm saying? I, there's no way. I don't. I'm. I'm not. I don't have the ability to do that. I don't have the musical ability or even the energy. I, I, when I had to break that song down, that making Christmas, break it all down and figure out exactly what was going on, it was like, whoa, this is nuts. And that's not even one of his gnarly ones. But it just it got my foot in the door of what it would be like to do a whole you know, these big orchestrated things. And I was like, whoa, I could never, I could never do it. I just don't have the, I don't think I have the mental capacity. Maybe when I was younger, I did, uh, you know, I'm 57 now. I'm kind of, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not as sharp as I was when I was 20 or 30, but I do have the wisdom of my years. <laughs> do you find yourself still looking for new art? Or do you kind of just see yourself like falling back into old ways and putting on that that old album? No, I try to um, because the the thing is, I I devour. Okay, I'm a voracious reader, and I'm and I'm I devour music. If I listen to an album two times through, I 
I know the album. I know every chord, every song on every instrument, every bass note. So I have to try to keep, I have to try to keep finding new things. And so whenever I do stumble onto a new band, it doesn't have to be a new band. It just has to be a band that, that I haven't heard before. Then man, I get, I get really excited. Uh, and, and then I try to find out, okay, well, what's this band? Okay. What do people that like this band, what are they listening to? And I try to, I just try to keep an infusion of different kinds of music happening, but it doesn't necessarily have to be new music. It could be, it could be, you know, like I, at one point, not too long ago, I got really into Cole Porter and all of his songs, or it could be, it could be jazz. It could be country music, but I, ha- I have to keep, yeah, I have to keep finding things that I've not heard before that, that inspire me in some different way. Well, before COVID hit, did you find yourself going to a lot of live shows? No, I tell you, I mean, I'm trying to hang on to what, what's left of my treble hearing. So I don't go to as many shows as I used to, you know, in the old days we would, we would hit the, we'd go out every night and just see who was playing, no matter who they were. Now I, now I pick and choose more, and I. But I try to. I try to be a little more clever about it. I ask the, you know, we have younger people that work at the studio. Younger, and by younger, I mean like under twenty. And I'll ask them. I'll say, hey, what's happening in town? You know, who's playing or whatever. I try to. I try to. I. I don't. I definitely don't want to be one of those old dudes that says like, oh, all these new bands suck. I definitely. I don't like that. That thing. That people that. Adults that are like that, it just that's just so boring. Well, since this is a film po- a film podcast, I am curious: how much has film played a role in your life as a whole? Do you always find yourself going and, and trying to find new films as well? I, I do. By that, I mean I don't watch the same movie twice. There, there are maybe there are maybe four movies that I've watched multiple times, but I, I tend to. I tend to try to keep moving on. I'll, I'll look, I'll triangulate between three or four different review websites and try to, I just try to find the best of the best, whatever that is. And, and, um, and I'm always asking my friends and I'll take notes. I'll take notes of what they tell me. And then I'll, I'll aggregate the notes of my friends and I go, Oh, well, four, five different of my friends tell me to watch this thing. Well, I'm going to better give it a try. When you were mentioning reading earlier, are, is there any books that you've been reading during quarantine that have really sparked your interest? Mm. Well, I think I I re 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 read Siddhartha. Um, that that's probably my single favorite book ever. And then I've been reading books by an author named Jed McKenna. And um, let's see, what else have I read uh, lately? Um, well, I've been reading like text, <laughs> um, uh, economics, uh, music theory, and nutrition. In the last, yeah, like in the last eight months, I've read a lot of economics, a lot of music theory, and a lot of nutrition. Would you say that you're excited to go back and play live again, or are you actually enjoying this time off? I'd say it's both. 
I mean, what I'm enjoying not having to hold that 45 song repertoire in memory and in physical skill that, that require at my age, that requires constant rehearsal to keep that stuff sharp, you know, cause there, there's a lot of bands our age. And when you go see them, you feel like you saw this kind of half winded version of what the band used to sound like. We don't do that. We, we practice really, really hard and try to be as sharp as we can. We drink tons of coffee and try to be, be the band that we, you know, that we really are not just be this kind of old weak version of the band. But so to do that, it kind of occupies all of my time to do that to rehearse that material and keep it, keep it tip top. So for the, so to be for now, for COVID though, to not have to think about any of that material, it's freed up my brain and my body to work on other things on other, other music. And so, you know, I've been composing and writing a lot, like a lot, lot. I have like tons and tons of ideas that I'm working on. And so that's been cool, but yeah, I will be, I will be glad to get out and do some shows too. Cause just the, nothing beats the just, especially from a drummer perspective, nothing beats that just physical release of doing that show. I feel like it, that's what's been keeping me sane all my life is the playing those shows and just all the, all of our, I mean, our fans are just so, they're so just beautiful and wonderful to us. And there's so much love in the room when we play that it's like, yeah, you get addicted to that. It's uh, yeah, I guess you know you crave you crave a little bit of that attention and stuff, but yeah. Well, Bill, thank you so much for coming on here today. I hope you had some fun and uh it really does mean a lot to me that you came on here. Well, it's been my cl- my pleasure and you know, thanks for having me and I appreciate your the time you put into it. Of course. Thank you again and uh yeah, enjoy the rest of your night. Okay, see ya. Thank you for listening. If you haven't checked out any of the Descendant stuff, make sure you go do that. All the Black Flag stuff, including Slip It In, My War, all of that, TV Party, go check that shit out. It's fantastic. All, you should go check out everything from Bill Stevenson. And this concludes our broadcast day.